Okay, so last week I wrote a little something on our Substack about uncomfortable feelings. And if you didn't read it, go back and read it. I wanted to continue the conversation because it felt like we could go a little deeper on this. It's something that affects me and I think a lot of the people who listen to this podcast on a daily basis. And I thought there was more opportunity, or Rachel and I both did, thought there was more opportunity to explore this topic a little further. There's no shortage of content we could do around this. Mm-hmm. So this is a continuation of last week's Substack post. Yep. And also May is coming up soon. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. And we are going to be doing some really fun things for the month um, that include weekly episodes, um, some cute merch that Jamie's been making, and some giveaways. So lots of fun things to look forward to to spike the serotonin. Spike the serotonin. And we'll have, um, we're going to have two guests. Mm-hmm. On one will be Rachel's guest and one will be mine. So stay tuned for those conversations. I'm really looking forward to both of them. Yeah. I think they're going to be really good. Um, and then one of them is going to be a really personal one mm-hmm. for me. And I'm excited to share about that one too. Um, so yeah, be sure to stay tuned. Yep. And... It's gonna be May. (laughs) Welcome to One Fry Short, you know, of a happy meal. I'm Jamie Spielmaker. And I'm Rachel Wynn. We're just two women having candid and empathetic conversations about mental health and how we can support each other. We are not experts. Not even close. But if you want to feel less alone in your neuroses, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to One Fry Short. Welcome back. I'm Jamie. And I'm Rachel. <laughs> in case you didn't know. In case you don't know. Um, I'm looking down at all of these bracelets that we're making for you guys um, that so we are going to post for Mental Health Month. Mm-hmm. They have all kinds of fun sayings. Um, we like to stack them and like multiples on our wrists and they're super cute I cannot wait to show them to you we will be selling them during the month of May and half the proceeds will be donated to some sort of cause we haven't decided yet um okay so last week on Substack for our bi-week um issue I wrote about uncomfortable feelings and facing them Mm -hmm. And truthfully, I could have written a lot more, but I stopped myself because it felt like I was getting too deep. (laughs) I was like, okay, let me pull in the reins a little bit. But I do feel like this topic could be explored a little more. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to take it to, I want to take it one level deeper than what I had talked about on our um, newsletter. If you didn't read it, Um, I have been doing a lot of work in therapy on getting comfortable (laughs) with bad feelings. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I have struggled with for a really long time, probably most of my life, but especially over the last decade is just feeling like I have to avoid and 
get rid of like uncomfortable feelings that arise in me based on any given situation. Mm-hmm. And through the work that I'm doing in therapy, part of healing and learning to regulate myself is like learning how not to actively resist it and fight it. So my therapist gave me the analogy of be one with the quicksand. Like right now you're fighting it. You're spending all of your energy trying to avoid it. Um, You're like, you know, trudging through this really difficult process. And really, if you could just sit there and let it be, it would help you confront the feelings that you're scared to feel. Is it, um, it kind of reminds me of a, a very, very long time ago when we lived in like nomadic herds, you had to be alert for all of the dangers that were happening in the wild, you know, like an animal attacking you, weather, um, you know, you had to be on high alert and it's almost like we have an overreactive sensitivity to the bad feeling maybe, um, and haven't <laughs> evolved to our society where our threats aren't life threatening yeah Does that makes sense yeah so we're allowed to sit with that thought because it's not yeah that do you see what I mean yes that reminds me of something that mm-hmm. I just I'm, I'm I'm reading this book called the art of choosing <laughs> it's fine <laughs> me um I would this week we I, I was gonna have the topic be choice which okay. we will d- dive into at another time but that's gonna require a lot of research and reading on my behalf and I'm I'm just not there this week um but in the beginning of the book she talks about how wild animals who are in captivity like at zoos um are more often than not on like animal Prozac because they don't have they're not using their primal instincts in the wild Mm -hmm. so all of that energy that they would have otherwise used to hunt or um like run miles or whatever is like suddenly really squandered because they're in this like very confined space. Yeah. It's so interesting how deep in our brain and in our body we're still survive survivalists. Yeah. Like, like the monkey brain. I don't know. There's still something here like that primal that we our society and our culture as a whole. And I think a lot of it is Western culture. Yeah, totally. Um, hasn't it, it doesn't fit. Yes, um, like the 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 idea of rest Western culture, like Americans, pride themselves on this extreme independence. Mm-hmm. I need no one. Yeah, and like when in 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 actuality, like in Eastern cultures, like in Asia, they pride themselves on community. Yeah, and like their worth is only as strong as their bonds to their family. Yes. Okay. I was just listening. I'm so glad you said this. I was listening to Dax last night, uh-huh. um, armchair expert, and he had someone on who was literally talking about this exact thing, and it felt very relevant. It's Paul Bloom. Mm-hmm. He just wrote a book called Psych, The Story of the Human Mind. He's a psychologist who had like the number one class at Yale um, oh. for psych. Like it was everyone wanted to be in it. And him and Dax were talking about how our bodies are still and our mind are still in a tribe mentality. And so when you do something that goes against the norm, you feel uncomfortable about it because evolutionary, we would have been cast aside 
we would have been left alone out of the tribe and we would have been isolated, ostracized. I don't know. That kind of went in a different direction. But I think there's a lot in our body that is the way it is for a reason. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's like I... I told my therapist one of my goals at the beginning of therapy was to be more independent. Mm-hmm. And when I mean when I say that, I mean I I feel the need when I'm in an uncomfortable moment to seek a lot of reassurance. Yes. Whether it's from my husband or my mother or my sister. And last week I had a really tough week mentally. I'm just feeling really paralyzed in certain areas of my life and it's really uncomfortable and I feel like I can't really do anything about it try as I might Mm -hmm. it's not for lack of trying yeah and I had so many moments last week Connor was gone all week so it was just me and Jasper here and there were so many moments where I just wanted to like send Connor a paragraph about how I was feeling. And I was like, what is that going to accomplish right now? Mm -hmm. It will alleviate my sense of like wanting to explode temporarily. And it's just going to make him stressed. Well, my first therapist told me that um, women process by verbalizing, by getting it out. Men don't process that way. They don't process. Yeah. (laughs) We need to... I'm sometimes I'll be telling Brian doesn't even need to answer me. I just need to get it out. Like I just need to hearing it out loud sometimes helps you process. So you have those thoughts in your head and you needed to tell Connor because you needed a, a way for yourself to process and him be like, okay. Yeah, but I didn't. Mm, so I, I, I didn't. I, I, I just let myself sit in it. Mm hmm. Like this, like let my have like a, yeah, this is like not ideal. This is feeling crappy. This has felt crappy for a really long time. It is what it is. And I think the mistake that I have made in the past is that I attach my identity to this feeling. Mm -hmm. And this feeling sounds something like this. I feel so unaccomplished. I feel like a loser. What am I amounting to? Will I ever be strong enough to have kids? Will I ever be enough, enough, enough? Mm-hmm. And my job is to say, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Sure, maybe you are a loser. Maybe you aren't accomplished. And kind of like face that. Yeah. And it's an act. It's, it's something that I never thought that I would be able to do. And this this is a part of therapy that I will go into deeper um, next month. But it's 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 an exposure. It's it's an exposure to an uncomfortable feeling that you're scared means something deeper. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of times when you have anxious thoughts, we've talked about this before you have these really scary dark thoughts like what if this and what if that Mm -hmm. and it gets deeper and deeper and inkier and inkier and we like subconsciously attach our identities to it and we make up this story in our head that is sort of detached from reality 
And by confronting the fear instead of ruminating on it, it really has lessened its power over me. That's awesome. And something else that I have found really surprising, like really shocking to me, is that in the same way I am letting uncomfortable feelings in, I'm also more porous to good feelings. Huh. Yeah. That's great. I know. It's like a fundamental. It's like you're lowering a wall. Correct. Yeah. Anything's allowed to. Yeah. And I can feel like physically a little more buoyant. You know why? It's because you're not focusing so much on one thought. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you're, you, you accept that thought for what it is and Mm -hmm. it opens up space for other feelings after that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think, um, something that I've been guilty of in the past is like, if I feel any kind of joy or warmer if you will, Mm -hmm. it's immediately followed by a fear thought Mm -hmm. because at the root of all anxiety is fear. And so, you know, I'm, scared of losing mm-hmm. whatever that instantaneous piece of joy is for me. Um, so I feel like last week was sort of this weird bridge um, of like, it's so odd. You know, I spent a lot of time alone last week and a lot of things were like really frustrating and going wrong. And Typically, that means I turn so inward and I just like call my mom crying or send Connor 30, you know, paragraph text messages about why I'm such, I feel like such a loser. And I didn't do that. I just sat in the yard and was like, hmm, this is just, this sucks. Yeah. And I made myself write about it on our Substack, Uh and... There's, there's, it's definitely, it's definitely different. It's, it's like, it's something that I haven't felt in years. I have just been paralyzed by fear for a really long time, like pathologically so. And this work that I'm doing with my new therapist is like, oh my God, it is so painful. But I I can like, tell a difference in myself like I was at yoga yesterday and I was so centered and like at the end during shavasana usually when I'm like picking at a hangnail or like twitching or like you know focusing on the heat I was just like completely still and I had like a vision come in my head of like I don't know there's definitely something different about me Mm-hmm. I can feel it in my body. It's interesting you say this. I notice a difference right off. You do? Yes. Yes. Really? Lighter. Something about you, like. Yeah. You know. It's weird. Yeah. Second, well, I guess three things. Second is you helped me. You told me a little bit about this last week, about the mm-hmm. uncomfortable. I struggle with that. I was sitting out front of your house and I had the windows down and it's a beautiful day here. And I put my phone down for a minute because I wanted to collect my thoughts before coming in. 
And I just kept itching to be like, okay, I'll pick up my phone. Who did I write an email to? Oh, I need to look on Pinterest for a lamp. Oh, let me just write down. I can't sit still in the silence. It's uncomfortable for me. And I fought the urge to pick up my phone and do something and just sat in that moment and recognized that it was very uncomfortable for me to fight this like always needing to do something with the sitting still. Yeah. Um, And I did feel better for it. The third thing I was going to say was that it's hard when your identity is wrapped up in being maybe a highly sensitive person or someone who experiences anxiety and depression because you think, I, I don't do well with the hard stuff. Life kicks my ass as it, as it is. I'm not going to force myself to do something that doesn't feel right in my body. And so I struggle with the hard workouts, like with um, my children's hard feelings. Like anything that feels, makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable. I'm like, that's not right for me because I'm a highly sensitive person and I know that that's not for me. And so it's hard to do therapy like that when you've been telling yourself this story of like, I'm sensitive and I need to stand up for my own boundaries of the things that feel too hard. Does that make sense? Like even doing a hard workout at the gym to me, I feel like I can't do it because I'm like, my personality is more a light walk, (laughs) but I should try something hard it's um but I think like that story I do that I do the same thing I don't do hard well I can't do hard I'm weak that's not true you know and like be just because we have a different way of processing the hardness of life doesn't mean that we don't do hard well and I think like you're looking at me like I guess (laughs) You're you're wrong because I don't do hard well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, but like that story you tell yourself, I feel like stops you from like confronting that like difficult, those difficult feelings. Yeah. Like, well, I just can't do that because I'm just not built for it. Yes. That's how it feels. And yeah. And that's not necessarily true. It's just that you have... For the, for me, at least, I've conditioned myself to know I don't, like, I avoid certain things because it brings me anxiety. And the, and the work that I'm doing in therapy is to intentionally bring on anxiety hmm. so I can desensitize myself from it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In a controlled setting, right? Not always. Oh, so she's not having you, that feeling of intense anxiety isn't happening when you're with her so she can help you like. We do it in therapy, but I also have homework that I do outside of therapy. Like if I have an intrusive thought, maybe the intrusive thought is I'm never going to amount to anything. Mm-hmm. I just have to say, sure. Sure. I might not amount to anything. My life might mean nothing. And I just have to sit with it. Yeah. And that's like deeply unsettling to me because as we have talked about before, like I am really 
disgusted by the ordinary. You know, yeah. I don't want my life to be ordinary and it scares me to think that it might be. Yeah. You know. Um, so that's like what's happening in my life. It's. So, sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking back on the point that you just made. Mm -hmm. So, in therapy, you're working on, okay, we'll use the example you just used. I'm not going to amount to anything or I won't be successful or, like, you know, what society deems successful. And you sit with the fact that I might not be successful. So then what happens... The goal of therapy and what you're working through is to have that thought appear for you to recognize it and know that it's not true or know that it, that could happen. You move on. It doesn't ruin your day. To know that it's a possibility and not a probability. Hmm. That it's just a thought. It's just a feeling. And we can't trust all of our thoughts. No, thoughts and feelings don't really mean a lot at face value. Yeah. They really don't. I feel all-consuming existential dread all the time. I know that sounds really like bleak and like... It's going to be a... Can that be a bracelet? (laughs) Existential all-consuming dread. (laughs) My God. I feel it all the time. Yeah. And like that to me has become a personality trait. Mm -hmm. It's like everything in my future is dreadful. Having kids is going to be dreadful. Um, the earth burning as we speak <laughs> is going to be dreadful. Politics is going, everything is going to be dreadful. Mm-hmm. That's how I view life. And yeah. I think it's because I have been in this really, um, I've just like created these really deep pathways in my brain of like fear means probability. I treat every fear as, Oh, this is going to happen. Yeah, and preparing yourself for it. Yeah, with any in any kind of scenario. Every scenario like it's it's debilitating. Like there was a point when my sister, she was a flight attendant for a while and there was a point where she wanted to leave that industry, but she wasn't sure. And at one point, she decided she wanted to go back to that industry. And my first thought was, well, now I have to worry about her dying in a plane crash. Yeah. It's my like, mind went there, too. It's like, it's like, why am I, like, I'm trying to save myself. I'm trying to outsmart anxiety. Like, I'm trying to outsmart mm-hmm. the bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I can't. Yeah. And. Learning what you can control and what you can't. Yeah. And it's like, it's so deep in me. It's so deep. And like, I'm, I feel like I'm like untangling knots mm-hmm. in my, in my body and my brain, like yeah. knots that have been there and like, <laughs> I have like turned into like rad's nest, like, yeah. and it hurts. I'm envisioning it's, Claire's hair in the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. I used to get these giant and how knots. Painful it oh is my God. To and you spend out. hours working at it and your hair yeah. is like raw and you're like, I want to die. Just staring at your little brother who has no hair and who doesn't have to brush it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 
And like, it's really, it's so uncomfortable. And every time I leave therapy, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I just got hit by a truck. Yeah. And, but I like, I, I really feel like for the first time in my life, I am like doing some like actual clinical work. Yeah. Not just talk therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And like talk therapy is great. I think, you know, my husband's in talk therapy. A lot of my friends are. Um, but for me, I need something a little more stringent. Yeah. (laughs) And I'll talk about this more in May. Um, but it's really been something that has helped me work through all of these uncomfortable feelings and learn that they're normal. Yeah. And not get so bothered by them that they're derailing my day, my mood. I I, I mean, I Rachel, I cannot tell you how many times... A, a scary thought has ruined a dinner has yeah. has made me like completely shut off from any joy I was potentially feeling um I mean I remember this this is just like a random memory that I have but when I was working at CNN I was eating dinner one night and I had a scary thought and I threw my entire dinner in the garbage because I couldn't continue eating it. Yeah. Like it has affected me deeply. Yeah. And just just facing these things and realizing and recognizing that they're real fears and that they might have some weight and maybe they don't is like really, it's really kind of helping me break free from the devil's snare. Yeah. That, okay, so Claire has had diff Oliver hasn't slept once through the night in a month I feel is he utterly exhausted no he's not sick he's just he wakes up and goes I want you I want which is like yeah cute the first night and then I like sometimes will be so tired I end up falling asleep in his bed and he Brian calls it like his Irish dancing he just kicks his feet around all night and moves sideways like I get no sleep and so I've been doing different things to try to help that but the one night he slept, Claire woke up twice and has been having difficulty going to bed because she's scared there's going to be a snake in her room and it's going to bite her. Everyone has that fear as a child. My, I remember hearing a story about like a black widow being in someone's shoe and it bit their, like, I remember that was a very valid fear of mine as a child. I'm at the point with her now. I We have been through this, right? Where our fears have been lessened or anxiety has been like, just told to stop without any real tools on how to stop it as a child. It took Mm. us being adults to like seek it out and work on it. She has been to therapy and now has had a couple of fears rise up. That makes me wonder if she needs to go back. But the thing is, is like she told me, I was like, Claire, what could you tell Oliver when he's scared, when he wakes up at night? And she was like, whenever I have bad thoughts go into my head, I just see the bad thought and then I try to think about things that make me happy. And so I know she has the tools, but in that moment, you work through it with her. Okay, what are some things that make us happy? You know, and I'm worried that if I say, you know what, Claire, there could be a snake in your room. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to like... What's the... Yeah. Because tr- like that... Uh, because as a child, your brain is so underdeveloped. Like that, I, 
maybe desensitizing the fear as she's older, but like when, as she, yeah. you know, she's so young. That's how, that's a hard. It's so hard. Cause I get to a point where I'm like, it's not going to happen. Good night. And she's like, check on me. <laughs> check on me three times. I'm like, I'm not checking on you three times. I'm going to open the door one time, check on you and you're going to be okay. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Good it's night. Not, yeah. I wish that I wish my own proverbial mom in my head could be like, it's not going to happen. Good night. <laughs> That would like really save me a lot of time <laughs> to have a trusted comforting source. Yeah, to poke your head in the door and say it's not happening. And my yeah. mom used to do that for me, and she still does, like in her own like funny way. But yeah, that's a hard. <laughs> it. Yeah, there could be a snake in your bed. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem right. It's not gonna happen. Like you know, what if there is a snake? You're gonna be okay. <laughs> Yeah. We've tried, yeah, it's mm. it's tough because... I don't want to scare you. No, don't say I, it. But I feel like I have... No, it's not real. Oh, okay. I feel like I have to say this because it's just too relevant. Yeah. About once a month, Connor wakes up screaming mm. because there are snakes in the bed. Oh, it still happens. He's fucking like almost 30. Yeah. And he's still screaming about snakes in the bed. Maybe him and Claire could spend a little time together. <laughs> talk through it. Talk through the snake. They're scary. And I have dreams sometimes about a snake biting Jasper. Yeah. I don't know what it is about snakes. They're just yeah, scary. Yeah, that's the thing is Claire was like, I just feel like the, the poison ones are going to bite me. In in the middle of the night in her bedroom? No, see the thing is. <laughs> Has like, she seen a snake? Yeah, at Fernbank we go a lot and there's one in like a. That's a good exposure. She'll stare at things she's scared. Like, oh. she'll stare at it. And she's like, I don't like that. I don't like it. <laughs> just, I'm like, stop looking at it. <laughs> like, it's not going to happen. Good night. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Good night. My upper. Mm-hmm. It might be yours, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to Taylor Swift this week. <laughs> not together. Separately. No one's going on Sunday. I think it'll just be me and Taylor. <laughs> One should only be so lucky. Um, I'm actually really excited about it. Me too. Um, I resisted being a fan of hers for years. Really? Yes. I was like, oh my God, another prom dress, another song about a boy. Mm. Ew. And then she came out with 1989 and I was like, okay, Taylor. Yeah. And then she came out with Reputation. Yeah. And I was a convert. I went the opposite way. Oh. I loved her in the beginning when it was the country boy songs. And then I was like, uh. And then I liked her folksy stuff. So what's your favorite Taylor Swift album? I think it's Fearless. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, you're so sweet. I'm cheesy. <laughs> you are? Yeah, I mean, I grew up. But you know who else's favorite favorite Taylor Swift album is Fearless? Who? Because he's also cheesy. Connor. Connor. <laughs> I love that he has a favorite Taylor Swift album. Oh my gosh, you should. I'll show you his T-shirt when when you leave. Okay. Um, my favorite is Midnight's. Yeah, I had a feeling you'd like that. I'm into that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Is that your upper too? That's my upper. Cool. Yeah. So Monday will be a real downer. It'll be a real downer. Yeah. We're gonna peak, peak high, peak low. We'll have to share photos on our Substack of us. Yeah. That's a good idea. Congrats, you made it to the end of our show. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and leave a review. If you didn't like it, 
don't worry about it. It will only cause us to spiral. We also want to reiterate that we are not experts, but please do call or text the people at the new mental health hotline at 988 because they are. Join in on the conversation on our Substack page at One Fry Short Pod. See you there.